0: How you looking? Yeah, it's a little bit crazy. And you? So obviously a lot to get done in an hour. So just trying to push. I don't know if I've ever wanted something more than I want this right now. I'm super competitive. I started doing triathlon a couple of years ago, and I qualified for World Championships for a short course this year. I just love big challenges. Cinnamon, clove, nutmeg. Uh, it's all for my cake. We're only been giving an hour. I've got to do seven T-towers. There's three plates on each one. I have to be smart and make sure that I can get all this done. So I'm really keeping it simple. Welcome to the Eat Your Content Podcast. I am your host, Rich Herrera. Thank you for tuning in. You have many pots to choose from, but you chose this one, and I appreciate you for doing so. Uh, just a couple of programming reminders. You may be thinking to yourself, Rich, I'm listening to your podcast, but all you do is talk about Top Chef. Do you talk about anything else? Yes, I do. They are all archived anywhere you get your podcast. I talk about TV shows and movies. I talked about the bear, season one of the bear on FX, season two is coming out in June. Uh, I talk about uh, the Dr. Seuss Baking Challenge with Rebecca, Rebecca Reed a few weeks back. Um, also talked to Chef John Hayes. that was the chef consultant on the menu. Lots of good stuff, you can get it all wherever you get your podcast. So hit that follow and like button and subscribe and that way you'll be notified of when new things come out and if you're wondering when you how you find out when new things come out follow me on socials at rich herrera on instagram and facebook Uh, that's where i post everything about eat your content uh we're gonna be talking about top chef this uh for this pod and with me again is chef kenny gilbert a new cookbook has just come out southern cooking global flavors just hit the bookshelves this week and he is traveling all over the country like a madman promoting the thing kenny thank you for your time and coming on the pod today
1: yeah thanks for having me again
0: Yeah. Yeah. Happy to have you every time you want to come on. So you had a, you had a whirlwind couple of weeks. Uh, You were on Bravo TV. Watch what happens live with Andy Cohen that came on this past Thursday um, after, right after top chef. And you know, I, 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 I'll be honest, I don't watch that show very often. I'm not a big kind of gossipy TV show kind of guy. But, you know, I tuned in. Yeah. you were on it. Of course, you're gonna be my guest. I wanted to watch. And uh, so, so what was that experience like? You got to kind of sp- spend some time with a couple of movie stars promoting some things and you're promoting your cookbook. Tell me how that went.
1: Yeah, so my uh, my publicist got it all set up. Uh, she's her uh, name was Nicole Albano for, with Bolster uh, Media uh, out of New York, and yeah, she was like, "Hey Kenny, uh, they want you on. What's happening? Watch what's happening live. We need you in New York, and like." A few days i'm like oh say less I said, okay i'll be there so i uh yeah showed up they had a green room set up uh which was pretty dope to have my you know my name on um, you know in my, my own room with amenities which was pretty cool and then uh, so i brought a um i brought with me a signature cocktail which was i i, that I had served up there and then um, i was uh, considered to be like when you come on the show as a chef usually you're the celebrity bartender um you know uh, and so usually you're there promoting something during the during the segment so i was fortunate enough to be able to do to be a part of that uh i brought the uh, flavor bomb chicken sandwich um which is the uh smoky fried chicken thigh tossing our flavor bomb sauce and truffle smoked gouda biscuits so i had that on display and then i had all my spices and sauces on display that we sell at chef as well as on amazon uh, Walmart.com and eBay.com. So it was, uh, it was jam packed. Uh, the crowd was <clears throat> a lot of energy. Uh, they get, they brought them in a little bit early. They were, uh, had drinks. they were listening to music, chopping it up. You know, the, you know, the guests like myself and, you know, Tony and Lisa, Ann. they, they were there getting all dressed up and ready to go. And next, thing you know, we were on set. And then, uh, Andy, you know, Andy took up you know, took the show, you know, turn, you know, you know, star of the show, and uh, and then he basically plugged the book the entire time. I mean, uh, it was great. I mean, he held the book in it, you know, in his lap the entire show. Uh, and, you know, he introduced me. You know, asked me some questions. You know, he uh, forgot that we actually had kind of a connection. He was the executive producer for my season of Top Chef, and I didn't realize that that, that my season was the last season that he was an EP on the show. and He just focused. His time, you know, another project. Um, so we kind of rekindled that kind of moment. Uh, but it was a great, amazing opportunity to be able to to be on there with two actresses. Was you know just a feather in the, in the cap. You know, I was very very honored,
0: very humble. Yeah, it was it was really neat to watch. Um, you were with you were on there with uh, Tony Collette. and and who was the other one again? She's on Abbott Elementary, but I can't remember her name. What was her name? L- Lisa Ann uh, Waters. Lisa Ann Waters. That's right. And, I mean, it, it seemed like a fun show. You know, you had a live audience, and it is live, so there's no retakes. And uh, I, I was really hoping that they would eat your sandwiches because that thing is massive, and, and it's not for the dainty eaters. And it would have been, it it been fun to watch him trying to maneuver around that thing, but it was, it was not to be. Um, yeah, he was flashing your cookbook every almost every commercial break, and so you got a lot of exposure. Kind of wish he'd talk to you a little bit more, but, you know, such is life when you only got 20, 20 25 minutes to – try to plug three different projects going on so but uh let's see what else you got going on what else you got going on so you got a um upcoming you put on your instagram feed that you're going to be on alex versus america on food network um coming up next week i think right or this week this week well they have this coming up sunday they
1: haven't they haven't set the collateral yet um it's going to be airing The, the season premiere was this past sunday and right. they used me in the promo as a highlight for the show, which was which was really cool. Um, so I'm looking forward to uh, you know everyone seeing the competition, which was fierce. It was awesome, and uh, uh, you know yeah, it's very very exciting. So I, I will I will uh, inform everyone uh, through my social media uh, channels to to tune into a specific day and time. It'll be a Sunday at eight o'clock. I'm not sure which Sunday it's going to be yet. Uh, they will uh, give me all the information for me to kind of tee up and talk about. And I want to say when I taped, I thought that I was the last episode uh, of the season, um, but I, I I can't confirm or deny. But I remember when I was there, uh, they, you never know what they're going to end up doing. Uh, the, I definitely wasn't in the first episode. <laughs> so uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And this is Alex
0: Gornishelli. if you're not familiar with the show. Alex Guarnaschelli is probably one of the scariest judges, I think, I've seen on Food Network. I mean, she is is brutal, and she is a competitor. And um, watching her cook on these competition shows is is really fun to watch, and watching her judge – you know, not being on the receiving end of a judging from Alex Gornichelli is, is really kind of fun to watch too. Uh, so there should yeah. be, should be a good show with you. Yeah. And, and I think the concept is there's three chefs from around the country that she competes against and she may, she may win, she may not. It's kind of, it's almost a mix of, of chopped and beat Bobby Flay kind of in that sort of yeah. vein. Um, so it, it's an interesting show. I watched the premiere because you put it on Instagram and, and I thought it was that night. So yeah. uh, I watched it that night. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not. There's no, he's not on there. But I did see the promo, <laughs> which is cool. So keep, an, yeah. uh, keep your eyes peeled on, on uh, Chef Kenny Gilbert's social. Um, also, my social, I'll, I will probably promote it as well. Um, it's going to be coming up at, at some point in the season that just started in April um yes. so good so you're you're on tv a lot now so you got green rooms coming do you have any weird things on your rider like only blue m&ms and glass
1: bowls or something like that <laughs> <laughs> no no uh, they had the general stuff there i mean i i wish it was uh, i wish it was that special i'm not quite quite there yet I, I, I think but uh the general stuff they had was great you know you, you i was able to get drink whatever i wanted Tons of great snacks. You know, I'm really easy anyway. Give me some salt and vinegar, potato chips, and a cold beer, and I'm, I'm happy. Look, we
0: we are, we are simple men with simple pleasures, right? So, yeah. that's,
1: that's it. That's
0: it. <laughs> and uh, also, you just recently announced on Instagram you got an upcoming cookbook tour. So congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. What, what does all that entail? I'm sure it's not like book, or book tours of, like, fiction and nonfiction books. You're not going to stand at a pedestal and read recipes, right? So what is it like uh-huh. for cookbook tours?
1: So, uh, well, this is my first one. So, the putting together has been a, a pretty uh, tall uh, task. Uh, you know, I basically uh, am collaborating with a bunch of chef friends uh, from around the country that I want to cook with and that they that want to cook with me. Um, and some new chefs that I haven't met as of yet, but we basically admire each other from afar. And, uh, and so, the whole idea is that uh, my publicist basically has. A library that's, uh, you know, a bookstore that's going to be around, that's going to be being in that city, bringing the books. I'll do signings in the bookstore. Um, and then on top of that, I'll be doing a dinner uh, in the city as well um, at a restaurant. So but my first stop is Tallahassee. I'll be in Tallahassee this coming uh, the, the 23rd. And uh, I'm doing the uh, Word of the South uh, event. And so that's going to be pretty cool they, they, there's a local restaurant there that's cooking and preparing uh, a couple of my dishes. They're going to prepare the flavor bomb. Uh, they're going to prepare the uh, Thai collard green salad uh, with uh, the uh, corn, the coconut cornbread crepes uh, that's in the uh, collard green and cornbread uh, chapter, uh, which is pretty cool. And uh, and then I, and then I'll be talking about the book telling stories. And so I'm very excited about that. Um, and as far as the other cities, man, they're all over the place. I'll be cooking with May Lennon in, in uh, LA at Daybird. Um, I'm cooking with my good friend, Tiffany Deary, at, at Southern Roots Table in Dallas. Um, you know, she's cooked with me, with, uh, with Oprah and Ms. Winfrey. And uh, we were on the same season on Top Chef together. And, you know, she's like my sister. She's, a, she's an amazing talent and a good friend. And, um, and, yeah, so I'll be all over the place. Cleveland, uh, Nashville. Uh, Jacksonville, I'll be cooking at Matthew's. Uh, my old chef mentor, Matthew Madure, I'll be cooking at his restaurant, which will be fun. Cool. And then a bunch of other places. I mean, all over. Uh, very, very excited. Nice.
0: Yeah, you mentioned May Lin. She just won Tournament of Champions. That was on Food Networks. So that's going to be neat. Be yeah. Interesting uh, Interesting collaboration there. So yeah, good, good. So what what uh, early numbers do you have on your cookbook sale so far? Um, do, you, do you know?
1: Uh, they haven't told us, but we're already – they're, they said they're working on um, the second reprint. They're gonna oh wow! Run. Yeah, so like literally, they're working on uh, bidding out that, uh, and they're getting that scheduled uh, now, which is it was pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, that's great. A second
0: reprint already. That's awesome. Nice job. Nice job. Congratulations on all your success.
1: Thank yeah, you. Appreciate it.
0: All right. Enough about you. Let's talk about Top Chef. I'm just kidding. <laughs> So we're at Top Chef season uh, 20, episode six. We're we're getting closer and closer uh, to crowning a winner. Uh, and it mm-hmm. it opens up. Uh, we have uh, a comment from Amar. I think when when he's talking about the competition and everything, he said, "When I turned 40, I told my guys in the kitchen, I don't have it in me anymore. But then the chance to compete against the best of the best in the world made me feel young again. It made me feel 25 again." And it and and I'm thinking, Amar, I, I hear you. I mean, I'm I am no spring chicken myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, watching, watching these cooking competitions like Top Chef, I'm thinking, golly, Pete, that's a, that's a young man's game there to be, to be running around like that. I mean, oh, think, thinking about man. your time. You were, I mean, how long ago was your, your episode of, or your season of Top Chef? That was Top Chef season seven. So that was, 13, you know, 13, 13, 13 years seasons ago. ago.
1: Yeah. 13 years ago. Yeah.
0: So, so yeah. thinking about what you did then and doing it now, I mean, you know,
1: I can still do it.
0: You can yeah. still do it. You'd knock oh, it out.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> i'll be probably 50 in uh in um in august so yeah you know i'm, st- I'm still i'm still uh hey uh, alex morcelli she's she has to be right at 50 i mean bobby you know bobby's play morimoto all these guys they're 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 fierce competitors they're not they're you know they're not young kids you know what i'm saying they're you know they're older they're seasoned They're they're uh they're highly skilled um they have a lot of experience and a lot of people don't think about this but they're constantly you're going into their environment to go cook you know and they're they're uh, they're ready to go they're ready to battle you know because yeah. they have a passion for it so you know, you don't want to doubt the person that's a little bit older because guess what they have a lot more tricks up their sleeves and they've cooked a lot of more a lot more dishes in their lifetime you know
0: that's true that's true I mean, you you look at somebody like Keanu Reeves doing John Wick movies at at fifty. I mean, that's that's, that's nuts. So yeah, age is but a number, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh,
0: so everybody summoned uh, downstairs. Everybody's kind of they show some uh, some scenes of everybody kind of just chilling out in their hotel room, and then Padman knocks on the door. Sylvia answers and they're all summoned downstairs and told not to bring their knives. So everybody gets downstairs. Uh, there is no quick fire. And we pick up where Last Chance Kitchen left off.
1: Last Chance Kitchen was uh, was great. To see, the, uh, to see these competitors being able to, uh, to kind of have this little break is, was good, but this next uh, part of the show is, is pretty interesting.
0: It's Dale versus Begonia. They had an afternoon tea challenge where they had to make uh, tea towers with uh that included finger sandwiches a scone and a pastry and they had to make 36 individual pieces so each tea tower i can't remember the numbers but i think it was like seven tea towers and Ooh. all that so it was a, it was a lot in an hour so buddha makes a statement he says it's 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 a lot but if you play it safe it's very manageable but if you try to do something too out of the box then you're left." Right.
1: and That's and right. i think
0: for this one he he was very much correct. There's not a lot of time to try to do something crazy. And Dale, you know, we kind of chided him for playing it safe in the scotch egg challenge a few weeks back. But here he plays it safe. And I think it was for the for the better. So, you know, that's that's a huge challenge. Right. I mean, what kind of things can you stumble on when you're having to make 36 tea Towers dishes in, in an hour?
1: But here's the, here's the thing, you know, when I was with Ritz Carlton, um, I worked in Garmage, my first kitchen I worked in out of culinary school. I had to make, uh, we had afternoon tea and that was a thing that we had to do all the time. It's not hard to make uh, tea sandwiches, you know, classically, you know, ham, uh, you know, ham wrapped around asparagus, uh, egg, uh, you know, cucumber. Those three alone, you can knock out pretty quick. And if you want to do the variation of that, you can, you know, do like a nice serrano ham. You can start elevating it. You can do a pimento cheese and sandwich between bread and have that, and then have a garnish or something. You can do uh, you know, from a savory standpoint, there's a lot of different options. And then from a from a from a sweet, doing the scone, a scone is basically a nice biscuit. Uh, and to have some nice Devonshire cream on the side, there's a lot of different things you can do. And, and Dale, you know, uh, Buddha is right. If, if you're smart, you could have, you know, they could have done like, you know, hard boiled egg, you know, semi-soft or a quail egg um, poached off on a piece of bread that's cut out. You know, a combination of the butter mixed with um, a little bit of mayo and um, uh, some uh, Coleman's uh, mustard is a very classic combination that you would spread on your bread before you, you would make your, your tea sandwiches. Uh, I mean, there's a. I mean, I would have. I, would've, I did, when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, that you can easily bang this out. That that's. But if you get too, if you go too crazy, then yeah, I mean, I would I would have selected like four types of bread. You know, I, I would have made my biscuit first. You know, my scone. I would have baked it off. I would have made a savory version. I would have made a sweet version as they, as they, they stated. And then I would have both of those those in the oven immediately. And then everything else, I would I have my eggs in. It's all timing. It's a it's a mental game. You, you got to realize a lot of times these competitions it has nothing do, to do with how hard it is for that dish as much as the psychological warfare you have when you're against yourself thinking that do I need to go super high level or I can make it really simple, you know?
0: Yep, and then remembering you know what food takes what what time to cook and, and go right. through your rolodex of of information. Absolutely. So Absolutely. yeah, so it it was kind of neat to see the. The chef still in the competition just kind of taking a break and they actually did the blind taste test and they acted as a judge as a, as a yeah. singular judge um mm-hmm. along with padma and tom and uh great motivation for for dale and begoni because the winner is not only back in the competition from this point forward but they get immunity right off the bat. Right. So that's that's huge because you know, you're coming in from being eliminated and you won't come back in from last chance kitchen, want to develop that confidence again. So you're gonna get that immunity on the first go, kind of get back into it. Dale and begonia, I mean the, the way they edited it out, they're they're running around like maniacs. Um, begonia trips and falls, breaks some plates and she was um all she was she was rattled. It's like she was just as rattled as she was on the last challenge that put her in there. Uh, and I don't I don't think she recovered. But uh, so let's let's talk about the the T towers real quick, where things went right for Dale and where things went wrong for Begonia, because at the end of it, Dale ended up winning um, and getting immunity. Begonia ended up going back to Last Chance Kitchen to to try again. Um, but yeah, so that's that's how it fell down. But so Dale had a smoked salmon and egg salad sandwich, a bacon and chive scone with Gruyere cheese, and a ginger cake with mango compote. Looking at it, he, he did stick to basics, I thought. Um, I, I think he just made simple food really well. Uh, mm. and, and and that's the kind of the key to this particular challenge is it's okay to go simple, just make sure it tastes really good. Um, and, and poor Begonia, she ran out of time and only got two out of the three items needed for that. Uh, she had a crab and seaweed salad sandwich, which the judges said, um, if you didn't tell me there was crab in it, I wouldn't have known. Um, and then the chocolate eclair with whipped cream, which, you know, an eclair, you, she's trying to make from scratch in an hour, which you're doing a pat shoe dough. And, and I think that's what we were talking – what Buddha exactly said was, you know, you can go safe and it be okay, or you can go outside too far outside of the box, and you're going to mess yourself up. And I think that's what happened here. I'm sure she makes a great eclair, but not in an hour, not having to make 36 of them.
1: To put together the scone dough, a.k.a. a biscuit dough – doesn't take that much time, you know, popping it in the oven, getting it baked off, having your clotted cream, you know, infused with something uh, that's quick. While that's baking, you could be working on the other two items, cut some bread and make your, you know, the problem is, if you've never made a tea sandwich, you're not going to know. You know what I mean? Like working garbage for the Ritz Carlton. You know, I had to make thousands of tea sandwiches when I was like 18 years old. I learned, you know, with a, with a great chef Roy Koo, how to make the, you know they get the butter and the the coleman's mustard and all that, make the little mixture that was the standard that went on all the the savory tea sandwiches. I mean, it, you know, when you're you're used to doing it, it's not a big deal, you know, and and, and you can see they understand the idea, but no one was really prepared for um, for going to London. Like yo, like, are you not realize where you're going or you're gonna go? You didn't think about the classical things that basically you could potentially cook. I feel like uh, Nicole is probably the one of the most prepared chefs on there from the season currently. I feel like she's practiced and done some things that are that are classically done before going we to the challenge. I mean, I I I I know I'm getting a little, I digress. I'm going a little further ahead, but like in terms of my mindset about you know where. My, my my top three are or whatever but you know some people came in there prepared and some of them did not you know yeah it's it very clear
0: it, yeah and it's interesting too because what's different about the london season versus the regular season is you know london is a very specific city and because it's the first one filmed internationally you know that bravo is gonna and the producers are going to come up with local challenges um to make something that's a a london based a a britain based food and so you just kind of got to know what it is that you're going with and you know with previous seasons when you're going to do a different u.s city you are going to get some of that local stuff but (coughs) it could still be you could be cooking anything right for dc you know dc is known for you know maryland crabs and some other stuff like that but you know it's it's things that the chefs have been exposed to at some point in their life um cooking in the US, right? But with London, you, you know, some people have never made bangers and mash and, you know, some people haven't yeah, made other things, so.
1: But, but you know, but, but you know what's interesting? Um, most chefs are classically trained. And at some point in time, you know, you've worked with someone through your travels that is that is from that that part of the world. And, and and when you went through fellowship you talk about food i worked when i was in barbados you know the, the property was owned by five irish billionaires you know i was for the sandy lane resort i was working with everyone that was bayesian but you know what i had a lot of chefs you know one was scottish uh and then a couple were english you know they're they're right from from london and so the, the work, work with two of these other chefs you know and then also cook the food that come from that part of the world, you know, we had a proper English roast every Sunday. I had never been a part of a proper English roast until I went there. I read about it. I, I kind of understood it. I know how to cook meats. But when you're there and you're, and you're getting, you're seeing someone get excited about, you know, a Yorkshire pudding or a mint jelly or caramelized apples, a compliment, a suckling pig or something like that. You know, it's like, it's like us being in the South having a good, you know, smoked turkey or fried turkey and a good, good, cram, you know, cornbread dressing and, uh, or perlow if we're in, you know, in North Florida or in the, in the, uh, the, the low country, you have a, di- you have a different, different feeling and interpretation of it. These guys, they, they also, these guys are the professionals. They, they travel around the world. They're from around the world. They know where they are going. You know, it doesn't hurt to go buy some, you know, say, well, what are the top, Fifteen things out of all these episodes, that I potentially could have to cook. You know, they, they they didn't make it a surprise. I mean, my hell, my season in DC. You know, we're in Maryland. I knew there was gonna be a crab challenge at some point. As we're gonna have to be. We're gonna have to clean like fresh live crabs at some point. And there are some people on my season that never clean a live crab. You know, never cooked a live crab. Never, never clean one. And you know, and there's others like you know Timothy Dean. This Joker, he cleaned like. You know, like he got like five pounds of freaking jumbo lump out of the crab that he cleaned, which was which was which was awesome. You know,
0: with that Dale wins, and he got emotional. You know, he he was crying a little bit. It and it was it was. Uh touching to see him get emotional. He he said he got emotional because they, his fellow contestants chose him, which is humbling for him. And, uh, you know, he's a competitive guy. He was saying in his piece. And so to, to fight his way back into the competition and then to have immunity right off the bat, uh, I think is a, is a huge, um, confidence boost for him. And begonia, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe she can, she can fight her way back because there's last chance kitchen keeps going. So we're, we're going to see, we're going to see what happens. So, Right, right after that, we go to the elimination challenge. And so the elimination challenge is they're going to work in teams, two teams to create a ready to serve picnic basket with at least one sweet dish. And the challenge is going to take place at Highclere Castle. And if you're a Downton Abbey fan, this is going to look very, very familiar with you. But uh, to you. But the producers apparently couldn't afford to get inside Highclere Castle because it all took place on the front lawn. So the challenge seems, again, deceptively easy. Just make a picnic. Just have a sweet item, put it in a picnic. But what are... What are the challenges when you first heard this that were running through your mind? You're like, oh, I got to start thinking about this. I got to think about this. What was going through your head if you would have heard this challenge and had to execute it? What are um, the trip wires that people are going to fall over?
1: The trip wires are uh, what are you going to cook that that's going to travel well, that you can prepare, and it's going to be delicious, It's going to translate well um, when you once you arrive. You know what can you do that? Because it has to be everything has to be cooked and then pre-packed it's a picnic. So how is it going to eat when you get there? What are you going to, you know, what are you preparing? So the, the, chefs have to be very smart about what the, you know, their, their presentations, um, like how it's going to eat, you know, um, you know, from a fully prepared item. And so those, 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 those are the, cha- that's the challenge, you know, um, that's, that's the, that's the biggest thing.
0: Yeah. I was thinking that too, I was like, cause they said in the show, it has to be ready to eat. And, and and be able to sit overnight and essentially you're eating it at room temperature right so yeah. you know i've i've seen many church potlucks outside after church that somebody made an egg salad sandwich or something i'm like that is <laughs> that's not going to go well after sitting in the hot sun for for an hour right mm-hmm. so a lot of lot of trip wires in this uh deceptively easy make a picnic basket challenge um so for the food shopping you know because it's at highclere castle and you know it's it's supposed to be an elevated picnic so they give the chefs, and, and and again, there is a team, so they go to two different grocery stores. The first one, they get 200 pounds to shop at Fortnum & Mason, which apparently is the official grocer of the queen herself, God rest her soul. Um, and they showed this... Very elaborate grocery store. It reminded me of like a Saks Fifth Avenue, if it was a grocery store, <laughs> if they sold yeah. if they sold food instead of clothes. I mean, this yeah. was really really nice, and you know mm. we're, we're talking really expensive stuff. So they they go there to to buy their their high end ingredients for this picnic challenge, and then they get 250 pounds to go to Whole Foods uh, and, and shop for the rest of their stuff. And I think what was interesting here, as you're seeing the shopping happening. Tom's taken over, you know, on on his team. So people are having to sacrifice their ingredients because Tom wants to spend more money. So, I mean, what did you think of that when you you saw that playing out?
1: Well, they they allowed him to do that. You know, um, at the end of the day, somebody else should have stood up to him and basically said, no, this is how we're going to do this. We're going to divide up uh, the money evenly, Um, you know, uh, the same way Buddha's team did. Hey, this is what we got. This is what you have. Boom, done. You know what I mean? And 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 that's what that's what should have happened. You know? And unfortunately, they let him kind of do whatever he wanted. You know? He was very adamant about it. Someone should have been had a stronger voice and made a point of saying, no, this is not how this is going to play out. This is how this needs to play out. Yeah, he did
0: kind of steamroll him, and and Buddha really took charge, took that leadership role, and said, look, we're going to divide this evenly, and and you just got to do the best with what you got. Um, yeah. And I liked how uh, Dale handled his comeback, He his immunity. So he he has immunity. So he's kind of taking a low key kind of role on his team. He's doing something simple. He's doing the deviled eggs. And then he's just a floater, right? He's just helping everybody that needs help um, because deviled eggs are pretty simple. Personally, I don't think deviled eggs are, are very good at room temperature, but I don't know. Uh, but he did something simple. And then he was a floater. And, and I think that was a, a good move yeah. for him. You know, he didn't want to come in uh and say okay i'm back and i'm gonna like kick all y'all's tail now he was real humble coming in and he's like where where do you need help uh nicole was talking to tom colicchio and i wanted to talk to you about this tom colicchio you know makes his rounds and nicole was telling him about his dish and he kind of makes this face and goes hmm, and then kind of walks away you know and it makes her gets in her head a little bit she's like am I doing the right thing? what does he mean? And and Tom's got a good poker face, right? So you've talked to Tom in your competition as he's walking around and he, he never really kind of indicates to you whether your idea is good or not, but have you, has, has he ever, you know, made a facial expression or said something that made you think,
1: am I going in the right direction with this? Yeah. You know, my, my season uh, is actually my um, uh, restaurant wars. He came in, they didn't air this, but he came in the kitchen and my whole team, I had, we were locked in, you know, I, I, I made sure that I wrote out production sheets, mise-en-place sheets, organized everything. I had a posted, uh, in the kitchen. I drew everything out. Uh, cause you're not allowed to, you know, it's not like you have a computer or anything like that or your phone or, you know, uh, or anything. So I grabbed pieces of paper. I sat down and talked with each chef, Wrote everything out. Rough their ingredients. I said, "This is how we're gonna do this." Boom, boom, boom. And uh, I remember him walking by my station, and I just, you know, I was voted to be, you know, the the uh, you know the head guy for the for the team. Kevin Spraga was the captain, uh, but they basically had it where like, "Hey, we want you to be the executive chef. You're gonna be a boat as the bowlers' executive chef. You, you you run the kitchen." And so I took that very seriously. I was I'm gonna make sure everyone else looks good, and I'm gonna make sure that I look good. And I remember Tom walking in the kitchen and he was like, he was blown away that I drew every, I wrote everything out and mapped it all out. He showed it to the camera. It's like, we've never, he's like all the years on Top Chef, I've never seen anyone ever do this. Uh, this is great. You know, he says, man, you guys are already set? I said, yes, chef. I said, I, I, said, I, I said, I don't know about everybody else. I'm an executive chef, like a true executive chef. I, I run kitchens. I know how to do production. I know how to work with a team. So on and so forth. I said, I can't speak for everybody else. Um, I was like, so uh, I know my role, understand what I need to do. And I'm going to basically put the put the team on my back and, you know, and do what needs to be done to help us. And and then he looks at me, goes, oh, so what happens if uh, your team is on the bottom? You know, you know that usually the executive chef goes home. And I said, well, chef, I said, I will tell you this. I said, we're on the bottom. And then I end up going home. It's not going to be because we didn't execute, which is on these paper, according to each team member. It's going to mean that you guys didn't like the food that we presented and the other team, it, you, they're going to like it. And I said, and I, and I'm OK with that. I said, but I know that when I leave out of here, we're going to execute exactly the way that it would need to be done. How we how we planned it out. I said, now, if we don't win because we didn't have the best tasting dish. Then I can live with that. I said, my shoulders are big enough that I can that I can handle that. I ended up going home. We ended up losing, but everyone in that kitchen, they knew who the, the best chef was. And even Gail said it. She says, You know, there's something to be said about a chef that runs a perfectly executed kitchen, which is exactly what Kenny has done. And we've never seen anyone do that. And then they didn't understand my dish, which is why I went home, but neither here nor there. I executed the way they were supposed to be done. We had a tasting, we had a lineup, we had everything. And so, your point about Tom, he's going to ask you the question because he wants to know Are you confident enough in your ability, in what you're doing? And, and I didn't lack confidence at all when I was on that show. Like I know how to cook. I know, you know what I mean? Now if you don't like it, but like, you know, it is what it is. But I'm not giving you something that is that is gross or is nasty. You might not understand it from the, flow, the the flavor profile or whatever, but it's not far, far off. But he'll give you that that psycho again, the psychological, you know, he's gonna say something that th- that make you think. Um, but if you're confident in what you're doing, you know, you're confident in what you're doing. You know what's gonna be good and what's gonna be bad. I mean
0: yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting to see um, when when Tom talks to chefs and the chefs are, are kind of they kind of have that idea in their head. And then Tom just does a head tilt or, or a little gesture or, a, you know, just a hmm and and, right. and then they're all rattled and they're like oh, oh what does that mean and and you kind of see them kind of frazzled a little bit nicole did that a little bit not not too bad though uh but yeah. she did kind of question herself a little bit but yeah you're right i mean if you're confident in the dish you're making it won't matter what he says you know you're just going to put your best dish out there if they like it they like it if they don't they don't um mm-hmm. but you know it was good in your mind and, and to your taste buds so I, I thought that was interesting because he does that every season you know he, he does that with everybody um uh, mm-hmm. it's just fun to watch so Tom G., the Chef Tom, not the Judge Tom, he's doing some sort of reinvention of chipino, which to me sounded really tricky. Um, but as he's making it, he tries to strain it and then spills everywhere. Spills just, I mean, that, that could have stopped him, um, but he kept going. But it's like NASCAR, you know, you watch for those car wrecks and you're like, oh, no, what happened? So he strained it with a tea towel and then just lost concentration for just a second and his broth went everywhere. Um, So, you know, you you hate to see that happen. Uh, and then the picnic basket packing at the end where they're counting down, that was stressing me out, man. They're like, it's different from plating because with, with plating, you know, you just, just get the food on the plate, right? But this one they had to yeah. put it in containers and they had to make sure it all fit the basket and that it was in a basket in a certain way that it made sense to the judges when they pulled each individual thing out. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh man, that was that was stressed me out there. So what What other notes do you have about the the kitchen drama that you saw that that stuck out to you?
1: Um, you know, that last moment of that last moment of the packing was pretty uh, was pretty wild uh, to me. Um, that's the one thing that really stuck out to me was that the the packing of all all the dishes. Um, you got you know, in those kind of challenges, if you cook something, then you have to cool it down properly. And then it's like then you gotta pack it. So like timing is very critical. If you don't have an understanding of how long things take to cook, that you're never going to survive on these cooking shows i mean and you'll stumble and you know there's a lot of chefs that basically have stumbled to the point where they couldn't get a plate on a dish or a dish on a you know on a, you know plated up in a tommy manner, and then it basically is their demise and so that last part was like, like oh you know this is pretty this is pretty intense yeah uh, but but they always figure they always figure it out you know uh, not always but at least they did this this time they did
0: yeah, I mean, you talk about that and, and Begonia. You know that that's what befell her. She didn't get yeah. one of her dishes on the or one of her uh, dishes on a plate, and that ended up sending her sending her to Last Chance Kitchen.
1: Mm-hmm. So let's
0: let's talk about Judges' Table. So here's how the team stacked up. So you had the yellow team with Tom, Gabry, Amar, Sylvia, and Ali, and then you had the blue team with Dale, Nicole, Sarah, Buddha, Charbel, and Victoire. So let's talk about the yellow team first. The yellow team, uh, Ali made uh, Muhammara some type of spicy dip uh, with pickled walnuts and pomegranate vinaigrette. Tom made his reinvention of a chipino stew, which, again, is a stew in a bowl, but he tried to turn it into a a salad with pickled apples, zucchini, and and chilies, avocado with caviar chips, and tomato vinaigrette. This is the one dish I've seen Tom make, and I was just shaking my head. I'm like, Tom, what are you doing, man? This is... You can't go that far out of the box with something. Chippino is a very specific type of dish that, you know, when people like it, look for specific type of things, and, mm-hmm. and you're you're changing it and and making it unrecognizable uh, from its original state. And and I just I, I didn't think he was going to do well here, and 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 we're proven right. Gabri made a smoked fish tostada with cucumber, red onion, compressed watermelon, and spicy pesto. Sylvia made suburek with chicken and nuja mousse. Pistachios, lemon, peset, and cucumber salsa. Um, so a, I didn't know what a soup was, but it's kind of like a stuffed phyllo type of dough dish. And Amar made rum raisin flan with pineapple and sage marmalade. The judges were fairly brutal. And I, I think in team challenges, this, is, this was probably the most distinct which team won, which team lost? There was there was no doubt of what happened here. But I think the yellow team in general all had the same problem, um, except for Ali and Amar. Um, the rest of them wanted to go too high-end, too high-end. Uh, to overthinking it, I think, of what they were trying to do in the basket. Like with Gabri, he made a smoked fish tostada, but he packed every single ingredient in separate containers, and and the judges had no idea how to put it together. Which he had to tell them, you got to stack this first, stack this first, stack this first. And tostadas, I love a tostada, but not exactly a picnic food, right? And he saw Gail chomp down on the thing, and it basically exploded um, because it was just it's just hard to eat. Um, and the souber Barek, they basically said it was a chicken dish with lemon icing, which sounded horrible. Uh, um, yeah. so what are your thoughts on the yellow team? I mean, when they were, when the judges were just reading them the ride act, I was just like, yeah, one of y'all's going home hard.
1: When I saw the food that was being prepared, I was like, again, overly done. Uh, it was, it was complicated. You know, um, and maybe what was composed in their head was a little bit too done. I mean, I think the one thing that Top Chef ends up teaching you a lot of times is self-editing. You know, everyone's going to at some point think they need to do a lot more uh, initially, and then and then you you learn throughout the challenges uh, whether that's you learn whether you that's when you get eliminated or you grow during the show in this in in each episode to um, become better. And you learn from the constructive criticism, and hopefully you don't get eliminated when you're, you know, you're getting that feedback. And, and there's some other stuff was just way too done and it just wasn't really well thought out. And I think what's interesting is that you have these chefs from all around the world, and some things that may translate well in their neck of the woods in their country um, is not necessarily how it's going to translate, you know, with a couple of American chefs and or chefs from the U.S. with uh, some chefs from that region. Everyone's not going to have the same interpretation. But good is good yeah you know and that's and that's what i ended up boiling down to yeah
0: so the, the yellow team was 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 raked over the coals pretty hard by the judges which brings us to yeah. the blue team so the blue team was dale nicole sarah buddha charbel and victoire dale made the deviled eggs with sturgeon caviar looked great victoire made foie gras rolled in cabbage uh, with an agrodilce sauce Charbel made a crudité with sourdough toast and made beetroot hummus, baba ganoush, and a truffle dip to go with the, the crudité. Classic picnic dish, right? As, at first I saw it, I'm like, oh, he, he had two hours, or he had uh, two hours to cut up vegetables. But, uh, you know, a lot of work goes into those dips. Um, Nicole made a salmon nichois salad. Sarah made charred broccoli, broccolini, with madchego, black walnuts, and truffle vinaigrette, a classic broccoli salad, essentially. And then Uh Buddha made a banoffee pie, which is a uh, like a banana cream pie, Um, and I loved how he turned it into a banana, like he made a banana cream pie, froze it into a banana form, which was genius because it took overnight to defrost, and that way it was edible by the next day. But the blue team, I think, with, with Buddha's leadership, I think had a much more cohesive picnic basket. It just made more sense uh, of what they were eating with, with a crudité and, and easy things they could pick up and eat. What did you think of the blue team?
1: Yeah, I thought they did really well. I think they understood the challenge. Um, they made some nice, well composed dishes. You know, I think Buddha's dish looked looked great. I love how he has that you know a very strong pastry presence in his uh, in his uh, arsenal. He's not afraid to, to 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 jump on it and say, "Oh yeah, I'll do dessert." You know, like he's like, "Oh, I, I got this. Like no problem." You know, which is is going to really aid to his advantage down the line as he keeps keeps going because. If you're not good in if you're not good in pastry, or a concept, of it, you're not going to do well on the show. Um, and uh, and then the other chefs, I think they think they understood the challenge. and they thought about like, what would I want to eat if I was going to be on this picnic? Um, how is this going to eat? How's this going to travel? I think they just thought it through well. and they and they they worked together as a team,
0: yeah. The only real negatives that they had to say about the blue team is they thought that um Buddha's banoffee pie was a little too sweet and that um, Sarah's uh, broccolini salad was too big. And I'm, At first I was like, it's the South, man. She's she's cooking Southern food, it's always gonna be big. Just, it, it's just the way it is.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> to no surprise to, to really anyone, the blue team won. They had simple but elevated dishes. And I think the yellow team where they fell is they had elevated but complicated dishes. And that's not what you're looking for in a picnic. Um, the individual winner was Nicole. She won 10K and I loved her story. She talked a little bit about it. Yeah um, before the elimination challenge started that, you know, she's, she's on this show to win the money to, um, finish up an adoption. She's adopting, um, a Vietnamese child and this money's going to go a long way into doing that. And she won the 10 K and they, and they cut to her interview piece and said, and just like that, it's the last payment, you know, adoptions are, are expensive. So, so good on her. You know, she, um, said she's not able to have children and, you know, she's adopting a child. And I just think that was heartwarming and touching and, and, and going on this show for a reason bigger than yourself you know some people go on the show i'm gonna win i'm gonna win the money and i'm just gonna like you know Mm -hmm. start start do my own thing and start my own restaurant that's great but you know she's doing it to um you know enhance her family and to make uh to 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 bring a child over that is going to have a better chance at life because of it so um i thought it was really good that she won the 10k Mm -hmm. and and everything so (laughs) <laughs> so interesting the yellow team the bottom two so with the yellow team uh ali and amar were safe they had really good um like an appetizer and a dessert and his flan looked really good the bottom two were sylvia and tom tom because of his overcomplicated reinvention of a chipino and sylvia is because of her chicken pie with lemon icing weird dish and and that she just did not execute well but padma says one of you will be going home but not yet and then they cut to commercial what did you think was what did you think was happening or what was going to happen? I didn't know, but what was, what was going through
1: your mind when they said not yet? I wasn't really sure. I, I, I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. I was, uh, it's it's always going to be a spinoff, you know, it's going to be something I think they're like, Oh, come with me. You know, I'm like, Oh, what's happening? You know? And so, uh, I was just, I was just as puzzled as everybody else.
0: This is the first time they've ever done this in Top Chef history. They took the bottom two chefs and basically had them cook for their lives. So the Tom and Sylvia would you're gonna cook head to head. The loser goes to Last Chance Kitchen. The winner stays. So the challenge in this one, this is kind of like a pre Last Chance Kitchen. Last Chance Kitchen. This challenge it was to make a sandwich in 20 minutes, but it has to be the best over the top sandwich they've ever made. It must have a piece of meat between two slices of bread. Everything else is up to them, and the, the bmw x3 gloriously opens its trunk and another product placement by by their friends at bmw uh the pantry is just stocked full of stuff uh in their trunk and padma as they're cooking i like what padma asked one of the british judges he said so what makes a good sandwich and he said a liberal attitude towards mayo i wanted to high-five the guy i'm, I'm a big <laughs> mayo guy when it comes to sandwiches um dukes preferably i'm a big dukes guy um you know some people like Hellmans, but if you're doing miracle whip you're not going to be my friend i'm a big a sandwich has to have moisture of some kind you know i kind of call mayo sandwich lube it it needs to have some kind of (laughs) some kind of lubrication to help to go through but i thought it was interesting that that british um you know i think the british judge actually runs a sandwich shop or, or something um that mayo is is something that that he likes. So mayo is kind of a polarizing ingredient. You make sandwiches, biscuit sandwiches. What did you think?
1: I'm not a I'm not a I'm a good I'm a I'm a condiment guy. So for me, you know, I, I love good sauces. Um, for me, I, I don't like just a plain mayo. You know, like an avocado lime with cilantro and you know it, it's some good spice is is, is is I can go that route or something that has a lot, you know, I like things that have acid and spice to it. I like the creaminess aspect because it's gonna give you moisture, but I'm all about uh, like it has to have a lot of flavor. It can't just be like neutral.
0: Yeah. So one thing that um the the British judge talked about, he said in my sandwich shop we have we follow a single rule hot cold sweet sour crunchy soft in that contrast our brains find deliciousness and, and again i wanted to high five the guy i'm a big texture guy when it comes to food um i, I love contrasting temperatures in food I, I love things that keep your palate engaged and and you're not just eating like you know you get a big plate of fettuccine alfredo and after about five or eight bites i'm bored because it's it's just sauce and noodles and there's nothing else going on right So having all that, especially in a sandwich, you know, there's a reason why people put potato chips in their ham and cheese sandwich, right? You want that crunch. You want that saltiness to go along with your sandwich and um, something so simple, but a lot of people don't think about. But that's why you like sandwiches,
1: right? They're hot. They're cold,
0: sweet, sour, crunchy, soft.
1: Yeah, you know, like a a good sandwich is going to have – a lot, of, a, a good contrast, so I totally get it. You know, I, I specialize in chicken and biscuit sandwiches and my my biscuits are a little bit different than others. I do a drop biscuit, so I like to actually make sure that mine has, uh, I bake my biscuits off, cut them in half, toast the inside of, of the biscuit, let all that butter kind of caramelized. so you get a good texture on the top and bottom. But when you, when you sandwich between your protein, you're getting texture, you're getting butteriness and um, I'm, I'm all, I'm all about it. You know, I like, I like the the sauce a little bit excess, excessive with the sauce sometimes. So basically kind of oozes down. Like, you know, I like, I like the sandwich to be like, you know, you're looking your fingers and you're done with it. You're like, man, this is this is great. I mean, um, so I'm all about it. I, I agree with what he's saying.
0: Yeah. I like with, with your biscuit sandwiches at, at Silky's when i'm done eating them it's like i'm a surgeon walking into surgery like my hands are up and i'm like i'm trying to find a sink to wash my hands i'm just like i can't i can't touch anything my hands are but that's that's the sign of a, of a good sandwich at the end of the day so let's talk about the sandwiches they made sylvia made a crab sandwich with andouille uh sausage champagne hollandaise spread finished with fennel and baby gem lettuce she did something different with the brioche bun. She toasted it and then kind of turned it inside out. So you kind of picture in your mind, if you're listening to this podcast, you can't see us. But, you know, you picture a brioche bun. It's, you know, flat on the bottom, round on the top like a bun. But she toasted the inside like you would normally do, but then flipped it over and had the to toasted on the outside versus the inside. Um, so they they made note of that. I thought that was pretty interesting. Tom made a right. beef filet sandwich with a spicy tomato marmalade topped with a watercress salad and smoked paprika. When he was making his sandwich, he was gonna make a chipino sandwich again and I wanted to smack him in the face. I'm like, What are you thinking? And then he came to his senses and, like, you know what? I just wanna make a, a, a good beef sandwich with a good tender filet that you can bite down on and you know, the the whole meat doesn't come out with the sandwich. So but yeah. they both topped their sandwiches, which they they both kind of got a little bit dinged on. And that that's something I I don't like things on top of the sandwich because you got to brush it off to eat the sandwich. So it's kind of like, you know, it may look pretty, but it's sort of useless. So both sandwiches, yeah. I thought, sounded really good. What what did you think?
1: Yeah, you know, it's just a different perspective, you know. Um, they're, they're fighting for their lives, you know. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, how is it going to eat? How is the, how's the, the texture going to be? Is the beef cooked enough? Um, you know, the crab and the and I think that's an interesting combination. You know, I don't know if I would have gone that route. Again, mind-wise, psychological warfare. They don't know what the hell's going on. They gotta they, they just been cooking for their lives the whole day, and then these get beat up and now they gotta go at it again. So I can only really imagine, you know, um how they're feeling at the moment. Yeah.
0: So with uh the two sandwiches presented, um Tom uh Tom G actually wins and he gets to stay in the competition sylvia goes to last chance kitchen they shuffle her off in the bmw and and off the property but she has a chance to come back um the the part they they said both sandwiches were really good but the part that was the downfall of sylvia was that her sandwich was all soft it was just kind of one note texturally it was just all soft whereas um tom's had a a little bit of different textures with the meat and the marmalade and and what what tom g said about his own food was pretty interesting he said You know, I, there was no tricks. I just made honest food. And, and for once he did, you know, he didn't, he didn't pull out any, any, uh, weird chemicals. He didn't reform anything into other things. All the, the molecular gastronomy took a back seat. And and it's interesting. He used the term honest food. What do you think he, he kind of meant by that versus what he has been making up until that point?
1: Well, I think what he's saying is that he wanted to make some things that's, that's very humble, humble and comforting, uh, and simple you know the food that he's been cooking the whole ep- the whole season has been elevated food based on the molecular gastronomy type level which ironically if it was, this was in the states he would you know the the last several seasons you don't really see a lot of those chefs doing that in the beginning beginning episodes or beginning seasons yes uh, my season some chefs try to do some stuff and it was like you know nope and Tom you know he wants this really good food. You give him a good good you know clam, you know linguine and clams clams freshly shucked so like he's gonna be blown away with that he just wants a good honest food um he's gonna respect the the different tiers and the molecular gastronomy whatever but it has to be done perfectly and and so tom i think he was humbled by trying to do too much and then he was like okay i don't have the time to do too much i need to make sure that this is something that i would want to serve if if I was cooking for my friend and family, and we we're just like uh, something really simple, you know, and and I think that I think that's going to take a turn for him. I think that he's going to be able to adjust and take this this kind of the beating that he just had, you know, and having to be challenged. I think he's going to be able to convert that to some you know to a very positive level to to have that balance. It's all about the learning curve, you know.
0: Yeah especially with restaurant wars looming around the corner. I don't know if it's going to be the next episode or the episode after. I think it actually is the next episode. I don't know, but it's coming, it's coming up. It's usually around the midpoint of the season. You know, he, he's going to have to take those notes about kind of overcomplicating things. And I, and I think he does really well in, in individual challenges, but when it comes to team-based challenges is where he, he kind of struggles a little bit um, with overtaking the of the budget in one uh, scene and then, um, and even in here, when, when they were talking about the budget, when the yellow team was sitting on the bottom in previous seasons, this would have been a perfect opportunity to just punt him under the bus, but they didn't, you know, they, they just acknowledged the fact that, that, yeah, you know, he, he kind of spent more money, but everybody was kind of, that's how it was. And, and in previous seasons, I thought it would have been interesting, like, hell yeah, he spent more money and, and this is what happened because of it. And if he didn't do that, then our team would have won and da 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 da. So I just thought that was interesting. Again, it's that turn of top chef of, of being less like a reality show and being more about the cooking and more about the food and more about the chef's individual stories. I recognize that and, and I appreciate that. And, and I'm, I'm, I don't want I don't want throwing other people under the bus. That's not that's not why I'm tuning into the show. I'm tuning into the show to watch pro chefs do their thing. If I wanted to watch reality TV, I'd watch The Real World or Real Housewives of whatever, and I don't because I I don't like that sort of thing. I like watching professionals do their thing, and I think watching Top Chef now in these later seasons, um, especially with this one, um, it's exactly that, and I think it's a better show because of it.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I agree.
0: So what 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 are the thoughts do you have about this? I thought it was a well-paced episode, really easy to follow. I think it everything was done really well with the drama of Last Chance Kitchen coming in with Dale winning and getting immunity, and and Nicole's story about winning the 10K, and then Tom getting humbled. It was really this kind of roller coaster of an episode, and I, I thought to date it's one of their better ones. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens next week.
1: Yeah, no, I think it was I think it was great. Uh, it, it, you know, they they had to. I, I love this season because uh, they bring you back into the stew room. You know, at one point, there were seasons where everyone was always standing up. You, there wasn't really a stew room. Everyone heard each one of the challenges. They're doing a combination of both. Um, I like how they're bringing a little bit of everything into the into the, each episode and doing some different twi- twists and turns. Uh, so, so I like it. It's, it's keeping me engaged and keeping me excited about, uh, you know, keeping me wanting to watch it
0: you think a show being on for 20 seasons, it's really easy to get stale and kind of fall into the, the thing that worked for them, but you know, they're pushing their boundaries a little bit and doing different things. And I, I love the internationalness of the show. I, I want to see another episode like this where they're pulling in more chefs from other top chef iterations and, and doing this. I think it's great just to get those different perspectives of food and different stories of people's lives outside of the U S and, um, and, 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 kind of traveling through their eyes. So I think it's great. So, so Chef Kenny, thank you again for, for joining me on this uh, recap episode. So where can people follow you to keep up with everything that's going on with the book tour, with appearances on, on cooking competition shows and talk
1: shows and whatnot? So the best way to find me is on Instagram, uh, Chef Kenny Gilbert. You know, I, I post on there daily. Um, you can always get stories from me. Also, the feed, if you want to just hit me up in my DMs, just, you know, just you know, message me up and then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll respond. Uh, I, I manage my own uh, Instagram. Uh, you can also, um, that's the best way to do it, you know, to be honest with you. I'm always on there. And, I, and that and that feeds to everything else. It goes to Facebook. It goes to Twitter. It goes to, you know, uh, my website. You can find me on my website, chefkittygilbert.com. You can shoot me an email. My email is on there if you have any questions. Um, but that's the best way to find me.
0: Awesome. And to keep up with everything with each your content, follow me on socials at Rich Herrera. Hit those like and follow and subscribe buttons and know when new episodes drop every week because I have a day job and they don't drop on a regular basis. And I know that's not the way things go, but I do the best I can. So hit the like and follow button so that way you're notified of when new episodes drop. Chef Kenny, thank you so much for joining me again. I appreciate it. Again, congratulations on all your success with the cookbook, uh, especially with that second reprinting. Hope uh, things continue to to look up for you.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much.